Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get on to my show. Howdy folks, welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. Today I've got an old pal of mine from my Opera Pacific days down in Orange County, Costa Mesa, California. Gosh, it's been probably 15 years since we've spoken. You know, time flies. We get busy and lives get more complicated. Anyway, it's Maria Lazarova. She's a terrific singer. She's, you know, like I said, an old colleague of mine. And now she is the Dean of Arts at OSHA, which is the Orange County School, uh, is it for the arts or of the arts? I'm not sure, but it's a big one. And she's the boss. We have a great conversation, uh, really nice catching up with her. We talk about parenthood and juggling careers and making the transition from being a singer to being a teacher, both of which uh, both of us have done that. So that's, you know, it's interesting. Anyway, I hope you enjoy our chat. Thanks for listening. And here's Maria. So I think we met, I've been, let's see, I've been at LA Opera for. 15 i think this is my 16th season um, i think it's probably been at least that long since we've seen each other i think so too probably yeah it i mean it has to have been at least 16 years maybe That's 17 crazy. or 18 years because let me look up when um opera pacific went under folded yeah do you were you there when that i happened? was in grad school at so, usc yeah so it was because i 2008 so it's 2008. Yeah, I was. I had to leave because I couldn't keep up with my schoolwork and shows there and Opera Pacific, and then they folded. Yeah, I think I left it around 2006. I yeah. think I moved up to LA around around that time. So yeah, wow, crazy. You look yeah. exactly the same. So do you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Zoom. I don't look anything the same. It's it's funny because it feel it does not feel like 15, 16 years ago. I mean, it feels like a long time, but not that long. No, I feel the same way. It's, um, I mean, it, yeah, I guess, it, you know, time flies. I don't know how else to put it. It, see, it does seem like yesterday. And it, I remember being at Opera Pacific and feeling like, you know, like this is, this is never going to end. It was just so, so much fun. And this is, this is my life. And, and, uh, you know, and then we move on, we move on and for, for the better. I mean, for both of us, we're both, you know, I, I see sure. you're doing really well and I'm doing just fine. So, yeah, yeah, but know. it was really fun. I, I still think back on those years as some of the most fun. I was still like I, I did. I was in my undergrad and and it was my first experience in professional theater. And I got to meet some of my best friends that I'm still best friends with today. Sure. And so it was such a special, special time. I loved my years at Opera Pacific. They were so too. much fun. Wasn't that just so fun? I did too. It was such a, it was such a, a fraternal, like family kind of experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I went to LA Opera, I was definitely intimidated and it seemed a little bit, it was definitely more strict than we more were serious. at Auburn Pacific. Yeah. More, more serious. serious. Yeah. I mean, it paid, you know, it paid twice as much too. Yeah. So I guess that you get what you pay for, but right. I, I, um, now it feels very much like home. I've been there for such a long time and, you know, I know 
everybody from the top down. And but at Opera Pacific, we just we just did so many crazy things. Like the last show that I the last show that I did, I stripped on stage and took over David Bunker's spot as a stripper. And, I mean, uh, it was crazy. There was people come I, so many stories, but so much ridiculous, insane amount of fun. Yeah, yeah. Did you study at Tel State Long Beach? Is that where you got your undergrad? I did. I you did, a... and you were you were there when you were singing at Opera Pacific. Still? Yeah, so I started, I sang at Long Beach State, and like my first year, Henry invited me to sing with Opera Pacific, my first or second year. I mean, I was so fresh. I remember my first rehearsal. I remember what me I was too. wearing at my first rehearsal. I remember where it was. I, rem I remember everything about it. Was that your first professional like opera? Oh, by far. Well, I remember hearing it the year before. I remember hearing you guys rehearse at the choir room. Remember how you guys would rehearse? And I would hear this massive sound coming out of the choir room, you know, not sure. like our regular choral rehearsals. I remember being like just blown away thinking, whoa. And then the following year, Henry, Henry invited me to audition and to be part of the, one of the shows. And I walked into that room with my my uh, Converse sneakers and my tennis shoes and my backpack and my glasses and just, all after class walking yeah, yeah, yeah. in and, and I remember seeing a lot of familiar faces um some of my closest closest friends still to this day um but I was super intimidated by all of y'all more mature more experienced and then very shortly I realized that you guys were not more mature at all <laughs> <laughs> barely were barely in fact, um, yeah. what was the first show do you remember what that show was manola skull uh, oh that was a great that was with uh i think the tenor was hugh his name was hugh a oh, big tall yes. big super big, tall guy, tall guy yeah. and yeah big voice and we had the french director uh yeah wasn't it um i i thought it was um I don't remember. Yeah. I just remember he was his assistant director was very handsome. That's all. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a that was a fun show. There's this there's this part. You know, we always had added enjoyment. I don't know if the women did, but the men always had added enjoyment, which is you throw in a karate chop or you throw in a, sure. a high kick or you throw sure. do some, something crazy. Everybody had to do it. And um, there was a line that the chorus sang: "Junja koke daras." Wow, was like the end of this thing. You remember we that? All, yeah, and we all sang "Jama koke daras." That was hysterical back then. Well, do you remember the soprano? Sorry, I don't mean to. This is your yeah, interview. Yeah, yeah. But do you remember the soprano fainted on Fainting. stage? Yeah. And, and Jen, you had to show Jennifer. This, yeah. But to stop the show. And then they yep. had to call doctors from the audience. Yep. And we're like backstage playing cards. Be like, why is there no music happening right now? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I was one of the Petit Marquis, the ones with the powdered faces and the wigs and the moles and stuff. And we were racing up to go on stage. And we thought the same thing in the hallway going up to our call that there was no music and so we raced up and peeked out and we saw the soprano slumped on stage and the baritone was like on the bed just waiting for her to sing and john demain ha had his baton up and he was like uh curtain right it was well, crazy then jennifer came out with her headphone on and said she, you know, she bent down over her and then looked up and said, is there a doctor in the house? And then the curtain, it was like the most dramatic. It, that was thing. my first show. Okay. Anyway, sorry. It was Go terrific. On. Terrific. It was a lot of fun. Um, so, so, I mean, obviously you started as a singer and when did that, when did you like 
tilt away from, I mean, did, first of all, I assume that you went to school thinking that you'd become a professional singer. That would, I mean, most singers do that. It's not like a backup plan. It's not like I wanted to be a sculptor and I better study voice just in case. Um, when did it tilt away from singing and, and thinking about other things? What happened? Um, well, I, I did, I did want to do, I did want to become a professional singer, but I knew that that wasn't going to be my long-term thing. I always knew that I was, I was really wanted to eventually teach and be in education. So that was always in the back of my mind, my, my kind of my plan A, which, you know, that, that's, yeah, my plan A was to sing professionally for as long as I could. Really, I wanted to go to Europe. I always I had I didn't have the big size instrument to fill the American houses. I always thought I was better suited from Europe and I'm from Europe originally anyways. So I wanted to go there um, and sing as much as I could, get as many roles under my belt and professional gig, but I did always want to transition to education. So that was my ultimate goal. Was there a, was there a inciting factor that happened that really made that shift for you? Or was it a kind of a gradual thing or did an opportunity arise for you to get into, to, to start studying, to, like going to USC? Was that your goal by that time? Um, you, do you mean the, the shift into education? Yeah, like for me, I'm, I've gotten, over the last five years or so, I've done this podcast and I've, I've done some writing things and I've done, a, I sold another podcast on Michael Jackson a year and a half ago. And um, I've been making this transition kind of pretty slowly, you know, because I'm at, a, I'm at a point in my age and, uh, and my time at LA Opera where there are younger people that want to come in and uh, I know that I won't be able to sing as well as I would like, you know, maybe five, 10 years from now, I'm be like, oh, this is, I need to like bow out. Um, so I've been making this transition kind of s slowly. Mm. Um, but I, I've only known you as a singer. So what I'm asking, I guess, is was there a day or an event or something that happened where you're like, you know what, screw this singing stuff. I'm going to do this other thing. Yeah. So um Yes and no. The answer is yes and no. It was slow in the sense that I, um, when I went to USC and started focusing, there wasn't, okay, let me back up. I went to France to apply to go to La Conservatoire in Paris. I was applying for a Fulbright. And that was a moment where I was like, if I get this Fulbright, I'm going to go in this direction, move to Europe and really pursue this career. If I don't get it, um, I am going to stay here, get my doctorate and pursue a, a, um, a path in education. So that was when I didn't, when I got my, my final letter where I, when I was rejected, Paris was really competitive too. I didn't realize that it really mattered which countries you apply to um, because there's a lot more competition, especially for English speaking countries. This wasn't, but anyway, regardless, I did, I got my rejection letter sure. and I sat on the floor crying a little bit um, felt sorry for myself for a, a little bit. And then I picked myself up and be like, okay, well, then I'm going to just go this way, this direction. And, and then when I started the doctorate at USC, I, I delved much more into education and other fields, uh, started exploring, started doing directing, started uh, teaching. And I loved all of those things. Um, and I graduated in May and I got the director position um, of the voice conservatory in June, like days after I graduated. 
Um, and th this was in the middle of, this was in 2009 when I, you know, I couldn't get any, they were closing jobs. There was sure. no jobs. Sure. So I got this position and this is where it became kind of a slow transition uh, because I was running the program, but I definitely still sang for the eight years that I was director um, of the Voice Conservatory, much like Catherine, because I had the pleasure of listening to your, your uh, the recording with Catherine is very much like what she's doing. Like she's running the program, she's doing gigs. And actually I started getting more and more wonderful uh, opportunities. No more of the LA Opera kind of Los Angeles Master Corral because I couldn't do the consistency of that, but like mm -hmm. the one-off gigs, I definitely took and had wonderful opportunities in that. But the day I got this job, which is the Dean of Arts here at OSHA was, it was, that was, that in, I got, I got pregnant. I, I had a baby. I became Dean in one year. And my last concert was the day, the week I actually um, became pregnant. And that was my last concert. And the next month I, I, I had already accepted the job. It was like, boom, my concert, baby, job and that was my last concert really yeah I mean, it haven't... was like it was like a, a page had turned and I always thought I would go I, I that's not true I didn't think I would go back I thought I'd bring it back into my life but then my teacher passed away um, who was your teacher um Tim McDougall was my very first teacher do you know Tim, did uh, you know Tim? I, was he a pianist as well was, no, I, Tim, I don't think I know Tim. Mm -mm. He was my very first. He had a huge, huge, um, successful uh, vocal studio in Fullerton. Then he started teaching at Cal State Long Beach. Um, but he was my very first teacher mm -hmm. when I was 13 years old. And then I, I, I went through my later education and I went back to him afterwards. And he died also that year. So everything, I mean, like all, all everything. signs were pointing in that everything direction. happened when he died. And two days later, a friend of mine also passed away. Lucas Vajinsky, who is a good friend of mine, who's also, you know, how every singer has a person that plays like their pianist friend who like you run all your rep with for fun. He was that person for me. We would constantly run re a repertoire together and work together. And he suddenly died two days after Tim. It was, it was like, I I'm done. <laughs> I, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm done. This is that. That was a wonderful chapter in my life, and now I'm in a new chapter, and I'm embracing do you, it. I mean, do you? Um, was that that wasn't the last time you sang on stage, was it? I mean, have you? That been... was the last time I sang. Wow. Do you miss it at all? I, I knew you'd ask that question. <laughs> um, you know, I often get that question. Um, because it was such a big, it was, it is who I am. I don't want to say I was a singer. I don't actively sing, but I am at the, my core, a singer. That's mm -hmm. what I've done. I did that for 25 years. I don't mean I did it passively since, since from 13 years old, I studied voice, like hardcore. Did, you, did just, you come from an instrument? Did you come from piano or from? I did not. Mm -hmm. um, I came, I just, um, I mean, I can tell you a little later about like the start of, of my, my career or my interest in music, but um, to answer your question of what, whether I miss it or not, I, uh, I did it so deeply and so much for so long 
that when I see my wonderful friends, you included, doing wonderful projects, doing exciting things, I think, oh, that's so wonderful. What an exciting project. I'm okay that I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm getting there too. Are I'm you? There too. Yeah, I am. I, the, it's funny, the, the pandemic is kind of, I don't know, I've had to, I've had a couple come to Jesus moments over the last year. And, the, I, you know, I'll tell you, the thing that I miss most about singing is not the act of singing itself, although I do enjoy it. Um, I got into singing because it was, it was the easiest thing that I was the best at. Hmm. That, 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 that's really it. I mean, it was just so much fun when I started and I was really good at it really fast. And, um, so that was kind of my cataclysm that I had when I was 24, you know, I, I'd gotten into UCLA's creative writing program. And then I took the singing class at Cal state, I mean, at, um, Santa Monica college. And then I, I just discovered I could sing. I could sing better than I could write. So I thought, well, I mean, this is like I'm sitting on the golden ticket. So then everything changed for me then. But no, this over this past year, what I miss the most um, is the same thing that I loved about Opera Pacific, which is the camaraderie. The people. That's the exactly people. what I wanted to say to you. The beautiful thing is the connection between people. And there's mm -hmm. nothing like doing a show together that brings you closer to people. Um, I'm lucky that I actually, in my new endeavor, I, I also work very close with a small team of people where we don't put a show together, but we run a school together. So it's kind of like, I mean, yeah. we, we put on events and it, it's kind of like doing a show together. Um, and they're all musicians, I would imagine. So you have the same types of personalities. That's a great thing about what we do are the music, the people are all musicians and a certain type of person is attracted to that kind of work. Yeah, I actually, at the, uh, where I work, I work with two groups of people. The people that are, I oversee are all, are all artists. So they're not just musicians because I oversee all the arts. Um, so they're actors, filmmakers, um, are, and all kinds of artists, writers, all, all, all the things. And then the sure. people who I, I run really, uh, the, the group of people that are my colleagues, uh, they are educators come from, now, from academic yeah. education background. Uh, and so it's, it's a complete, I, I mean, I've had a really significant, significant shift and a career change and I'm going through it still. Sure. Sure. What, uh, tell me about your bad days as an educator. I can tell you, and we can both speak at length about bad days as a singer, um, forgetting lines, losing your voice, your knees knocking together, auditions, um, you know, all of those things. And, and that's hard. It's, it doesn't sound like it's hard, but man, failing as a singer is really hard. What, what are the challenges that you have as an educator? Hmm, that's a really good question. Uh, I mean, do you have those days where you just oh, feel like, like you just start sweating and you're like, Oh God, I, I, I want to run out of this. <laughs> well, well <laughs> yeah, yes, they are. I would be lying to you if I said that they aren't. I think every job, has to have that you know this job has is it's administrative mm -hmm. and it comes with all the administrative things that you can imagine meeting you know, after tell, meeting meeting after meeting and, i mean mm -hmm. you should see my meeting after meeting um it comes with having to suspend students and dealing with catching them doing not correct things and then dealing with parents who aren't happy with your decisions, making sure. decisions that are super, super high stake that, in, that affect thousands of lives. 
literally. Um, hiring and, and managing people that are really wonderful and sometimes not. Uh, and then trying to manage internal conflicts. I mean, it's... <laughs> how do you... How, I've, got a, I've got a kind of a selfish question. You know, one thing that I don't think you know is that I teach voice now as well. Um, not, not, I don't have a huge studio. I think I have 11 students right now. And um, I teach for a, a lady named Debbie Allen, which is oh. just down the, down the road here. <laughs> and, um, and I love the students. I love them. But most of them are pretty young. And some are going into high school. And the thing that I have a lot of trouble with is um, motivating them to tell a story through music. And I would imagine that your teachers have the same thing across all of the arts. Um, and I'm not sure, maybe when they get to high school, they, they suss that out, they figure it out. I'm not mm. sure. Um, do they choose to sing voice with you or do they, are do. they, are they encouraged to? I think that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, we, By the time they get to high school, they're all in. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. At our, where the kids that they choose the choice school and that makes the biggest difference because they choose to be here because of the arts. Um, but we have six year program. And so sometimes by year four and year five, they're like, I am done singing. I want to do something else. And I have found, and I don't know if you have, I, you can't make, I, I don't know. You can't That's make it. them love it. You can't make them want to do it. It's either has to come from inside and they have to have that drive or we let them explore other things. Right. Because the more you try to force them into it, the more they're going to push back. I mean, you have kids. It's the same thing with your little ones, right? I mean, yeah. It definitely is with my one. My, I mean, my girl. yes and no. I, I'm pretty, um, like my son kicks up dust um, for almost every class. And I always, I always say, well, you know, um, you're, you're going to do the class. So you can choose to have a good time or a bad time. But the way that you're responding to whatever's happening right now is not going to change the fact that in three minutes you're going to sit down and do the class. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, I, I feel like I run the risk of turning them off from curiosity and education and uh, we're, we homeschool. So we're, it's been really kind of difficult and we're getting, he's oh. eight, he's eight years old. So we're, we're kind of looking around for, for other schools now. Um, and that leads me to my next question. What does it take to get into OSHA? What kind of students are, are, are the ones that make it and how competitive is it? The students, I always tell this to parents, this has to be a student driven decision. Coming here has to be, if your kid is dragging you from wherever you are, because we have kids that come from Riverside and San Diego and Los Angeles. I mean, they literally get up at five o'clock in the morning and take a train and a bus and whatever else to come here. So if they're dragging you to come to this art school in the middle of Santa Ana that you've never heard of because they did their own research and they found it and it's pulling them, then it's the right decision for you. It doesn't even matter if they're the most talented or the, the, the most polished. They have to have that drive. And then we can polish them. We can help them. We can uh, give them the opportunities to learn and to grow. But if they don't have that drive, that fire, this is going to be painful. Sure. Because it is uh, far longer than any other school day. We go here till five o'clock and then we start rehearsals. 
Really? Yes. Yes. They have academic day until 1.30 and then, and then a school until a conservatory until five. And then we start rehearsals and these kids are highly, highly motivated. Um, and so they're in a lot of challenging classes. It is not for the faint of heart. So if you're the parent that's dragging your kid because you've always, you think they need to play piano, they must, you know, be in the orchestra. It will be just more painful for you. Sure. So that's what I always say. That has to be, that has to be there. That is the key sure. to success. It does not have to be the most perfect ideal they're still so young they still have so much to learn and so much to discover them about themselves about their art form about the world but they have to have that that drive sure sure and how do you, how do you manage it being a single parent what do you what, where's your daughter right now how do, how does what does your day look like my my daughter's with her nanny right now uh-huh <laughs> yeah uh-huh. and, I have and she's nanny. not old enough to be in school she's three got it she's three and she's three she was just turned two when things blew up in the world and she just turned three and she basically has never seen children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She has, she has a very closed world. I'm very anxious for her to go to school in August and, and meet other children. Um, but my, my day is I, I'm, I could not do what I'm doing without um, the ability to have a nanny, obviously, and my family's support. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Any mm-hmm. single parent who's has to do this, I have a career, um, this kind of demanding career without familial or friend support is just, it, it's a recipe for madness and depression. Sure. Um, are, you in, are you in session right now? Are, are there classes going on right now? There aren't classes going on right now virtually. We are oh, going, to, we're working toward coming back as soon as we get into the red tier, Orange County, we're coming back. In fact, we were just filming a return video yesterday. So we're coming back soon. Do you know when? Do you have any idea? We don't know when because it's just a matter of the numbers going down. Right, right. Have you gotten, is everybody vaccinated? Did everybody get their vaccines? Already? Not yet, but um, all our counselors are being vaccinated already. We're, it's happening. It's becoming, um, there's like this wave of every day I hear more and more people and they're just opening the door to educators. So I'm checking like I was just checking my phone right before we got on. So I'm anticipating any day getting. I hope so. You know, I dropped I dropped uh, Ms. Allen uh, a line, I think, a week ago now. And I, I know she's working on it for all of us, too. It's just we've got to get everything back online. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We we will fast. Yeah, we will. Yeah. 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 Will. It's just a matter of those variants, not like throwing us off course. <laughs> so I see that you're at work. What, what, what um, requires you to go into the office why, instead of being at home under these circumstances? Uh, we, the administrators, we do still have teachers here on campus I who see. teach from the classroom. We do have cohort of students, those who are special needs who are still on campus. So we have a rotation of administrators. Thursday is just my day, <laughs> mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we're starting to be here more and more often as we pr- prepare to do you ever, oh, that's great. Do you ever, um, have you, have, I mean, I don't know if you do this. Um, do teachers participate in performances at all? Do you ever sneak oh, on yeah. stage? You, do you do those things? I did. I did, did when I was director, for sure. I was, I was in a uh, guest, you know, the Flater Mouse, the guest artist. That's the last performance I did with them. Um, uh, I, you know, the, the conductor of the orchestra would invite me to sing, but I, at this point, I mean, to get my instrument back 
in shape. Every once in a while, I will bust out in the kitchen like a little tiny bit and be like, hey, you know what? I still got it. I still got it. I could still do this. And then I attempted it in the actual key and be like, oh, this is hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is old. Can we lower like a third? Because this is real hard. I feel the same um, way. I feel the same way. I I mean I because I'm teaching it, I kind of I kind of I sing a lot. So yeah. I, I still have my chops. But man, I don't know what we're gonna do when we go back to the season. I think in September we're supposed to go back. Yeah, you better start like. I feel like everybody's going to be terrible. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, but you got to start practicing (laughs) now. I think it would take me months to rebuild my instrument to what it was. Sure. Yeah, I don't think people realize what a commitment uh, this type of thing is. Yeah. You know, Um, what else? What else have you got? What else you want to talk about? What have you got? What have you got coming up? What do you what do you work? I mean, do you guys do virtual performances? Do you put together shows? Mm-hmm. Like I know Catherine was doing things with Zoom and Yes, we're doing same things that she's doing. Um, we're doing drive-in movie theater performances. We just booked one, like we're just booking like 17 performances out there. We're looking, we're I mean, lots of YouTube, the Zoom performances, sure. um, lots of creative stuff actually happening. And I'm hoping that we can steal a lot of it. Um, and actually continue to, 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 to explore that sure. platform when we come back, because we've learned so much. I don't know about you, but it's opened up so many doors on the, on the pot, what is possible out there. Sure. We're actually just testing, um, some technology that allows our students to play, um, in real time. I don't know if you've seen those videos on social no. media where there's, yeah, there's this, these. I can't even use the technical terms because I'm going to embarrass myself, but there's these technologies that are allowing, um, in this case, instrumentalists, but musicians to hear each other and play in real time. Now they can't be super far away geographically, like in another time zone, but in the close geographic area in the same time zone, you can do that. And we're just piling that with one of our jazz combos. So things like this, I mean, imagine for a kid that's, um, sick and in a hospital and are, are, has to be away and unable to, that kind of technology would really allow them to continue to participate meaningfully. So I love, I love that we're learning so much from this, from this craziness. Um, yeah, I've had to do the same thing. I mean, I teach all of my lessons virtually and right. I, I actually, and I do, I, this is, you're only the second podcast that I've done this way and I'm still getting used to it. I feel a little bit awkward and I like being across a desk from somebody. Yeah. Um, that's just generally how I am, though, I think. I'm, I'm still the same old guy that you knew 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> but it has been really useful to understand. Although, even today, in today's uh, talk, I realized that I wasn't using my um, microphone. So I had to turn it on and drag it over and do that because yeah. I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing still. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me true. about the about uh, the folks that you keep in touch with. Do you still keep in touch with all the old old folks from Opera Pacific? I Christina do. I do. I, I mean, Ron, Christina David. says, hello. I told her I spoke with you. And I told you we were going to do this. And she was so thrilled. She said, hello. Christina is one of those people that helps. I mean, she comes over and sees Natalia four days a week. She's absolutely like a major oh. part of her life. And she's just she's the best play buddy 
for that little girl ever. That's so sweet. So, yeah. And I just, just talking to David last night, Jason, um, Paul, I haven't spoken to him. He moved up to the Bay area, but I haven't, but you know, we're still in touch very much. So very That's much. Nice. So they're, they're fam. Those people are family now. Sure. Yeah, sure. I miss, you know, I miss them all. Um, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. Well, it was really nice seeing you again. It's great to see you too. Thank you for inviting me, Omar. It was so oh, so wonderful. I'm so glad to see um, just how well you're doing. It's well, really terrific. You. Well, really before terrific. we go, tell me yeah. about you a little bit. Um, so you're teaching for Debbie Allen. Not yeah, a small so I deal. teach. So I teach <laughs> voice, which is which is great. And because of Debbie, my son William and I were on Grey's Anatomy last season, which was really fun. That's so cool. Because um, she's an executive producer. Yes, yes, yes. For, I for think that I show. knew that. She came here and did a. We've had her a couple of times here, um, but yeah, I I, I remember she's a, reading she's about a, that. I mean, first of all, she's a legend. Yeah. Um, and she's the one of the best in her business and has been for a long time. And she's just a really sweet, she's tough, but she's really generous and really sweet. And big heart, right? Yeah, exactly. Just kind of a big personality and really takes, takes you in when you're part of the gang, like you really, you know, she makes you really feel like you belong. Um, so I do that. And um, a year and a half ago, I sold a podcast about Michael Jackson to, to a, a big um, agency here in, in Los Angeles. With a partner. I gotta listen um, to that. Yeah, it's um, you have it's, it. Send it to me. Sure, I will. It's on a, a platform called Luminary, and it's um called uh, uh, the Trials of Michael Jackson. Telephone Stories was the name of the podcast. So it's Telephone Stories: The Trials of Michael Jackson, which mm. were all of his criminal trials. We interviewed all the interested parties, which was really great. Wow. It took a couple wow. years. So wow. I did that, and uh, I'm writing a pilot with a, a friend of mine at the opera about the chorus, which which is pretty funny, uh, the that shenanigans awesome. that, that go on in the chorus. Um, and, you know, I've got two kids. We, we you know, they're nice... beautiful, Omar. Oh, thanks. Beautiful, We're really lucky. beautiful family. We're really lucky. They're really nice, nice, good kids, really nice children. And we have a, <laughs> a nice house. You know, we live in, in L.A., and... Where in LA do you live? We live um, above the the oil wells um, off of La Cienega. If you take if you take La Brea south mm -hmm. from the ten, mm -hmm. and then you go up this hill, there's this area. It's part of this um, old. It's I think it's like part of the old um, Lucky Baldwin find oil mm. find, and there's this oil well, mm -hmm. oil field, and then above that is a hill called Windsor Hills, and we live up there. Where I can from my window, I can see ray charles house which is across the street wow so you is, wow you're in a great area it's a nice a nice neighborhood yeah yeah it's a nice neighborhood we've got Wonderful. a nice view of the city and stuff and um you know and i work downtown so it's pretty close and then i've got friends um eric whitaker and and mark royce two of my really good friends live west of me so it's easy you know to go back and forth and that's great um, yeah yeah it's um i mean we're, we're doing we're doing fine um busy and teaching and Life. doing my thing yeah are you, are you are you in touch with anyone from the back the good old days at all no you know i kind of messed that up and and uh it's it's if i know it's a long time ago and i'm sure that you know but no i, I haven't not really it, not really you, turn, you, you turned over a new chapter too i oh i most certainly did yeah, yeah i mean i i had a certain way of life that wasn't um great for family life. And then, 
I met Amy and had kids and now I'm a dad. And mm. I just, I just love the, I just love my family so much that I just, yeah, it turned me into kind of this Clark W. Griswold uh, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> funny. vacation kind of person. It's funny how you change and how life is just, it, and people tell you, it's like, it's never going to be the same. It really is completely different. It's true. Yeah. I mean, when you have somebody who depends on you for everything, not only the practical things, but the esoterics of life and knowing what but the difference between right and wrong and doing a good job and a bad job and trying your best and and then having to teach that by example when perhaps like I was like I said, I got into singing because it was the thing I could do the easiest. It wasn't that I, I had this burning desire to to do that. So I have this kind of I have a little bit of laziness, I think, at least back back in the day. And I had to get rid of that really quickly. When, when you I have, have kids. kids. Yeah. 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 And then you have to lead by example. You just have to, you can't be a a-hole. You've got to right. do a good job. You know, does your wife uh, sing as well? Yeah. That's how we met. That's how we met. Um, Eric wrote, um, Eric Whitaker, who's a composer. I know, you know, but some mm -hmm. people who are listening don't know, but he's a composer and he wrote a, an opera called Paradise Lost. And he wrote um, the tenor role he wrote for me. And um, we premiered it at um, Cal State Northridge, and Amy was a student there. Oh, that's wonderful. And she was in the chorus, yeah. And so I don't think I've ever met her or sung with her. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Yeah. She's done a couple things at LA Opera, and then, you know, when we had kids, I, I, I do most of the most of the, the work work. Like, she does, she works a lot harder than I do, and it's a lot, what she does is a lot harder, but I have to do the be away from the house kind of work. Mm. And... Um, yeah, so she she's done some singing. She sings for a, a guy named Don, a man named Don Brinegar. I don't know if you know Don mm -hmm. from PCC. Mm -hmm. um, and she's done that for years. And um, and she did a few things with LA Opera. She did the gala with us this last season. And you know, yeah, she's still she's a yeah. terrific singer, great singer. Yeah, but of course, you know, those vagabond days are behind us. Yeah, they are. It's certainly a different chapter for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, again, great to see your face. Thank you. Omar. Great to great catch to see up. You. Thank you for contacting me. This this was really fun. And please keep in touch. I, I would love to see you in person someday post-vaccine. Trust me. Yeah, I've got a long list of people I want to give hugs to. That's you know, Oh, yes. Yes, um, me too. Let's count on that. Starting with mom. <laughs> yeah, we're lucky. My mom, my mom is very, she's uh, monastic in a way. She doesn't go out at all. And so she comes up every week. So that's oh, been good, nice and good. having that kind of thing. But you have to pick and choose. Yeah, you know. I know. All I right. Know. Great all right. To well, see have you. a great rest of your day, Omar. Mwah. All Bye. Right. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Maria Lazarova. Thanks for being on the show. It was sure great catching up. And I want to thank you all for listening. Hope you have a great afternoon. Be kind, do good work. And until next time.